Welcome to Steps, a podcast celebrating people and their stories. Far too often, we don't give people the opportunity to share their journey, where they've come from, what they've overcome, and the amazing things that have happened in their lives. That's what we're going to do on Steps. We'll have real conversations with real people to understand how they've gotten to this place in time. Confucius said, the journey of 1,000 miles starts with a single step. So, let's start this journey. My name is Steve Wenzel. I'm a former college volleyball coach who has a passion for stories. In particular, other people's stories. Our conversation today is with Sean Hewitt. Sean's the head volleyball coach at Texas State University. He took over as head coach of the Bobcat Volleyball Program in 2020 after spending 14 seasons, yes, I said it, 14 seasons, as the assistant and associate head coach. In two seasons at the helm of the program, Hewitt has accumulated a 51-21 and 21 overall record. Originally hailing from Cincinnati, Sean eventually left the Midwest after spending time at Indiana State and Bowling Green State University on some coaching stints, and then found his way to San Marcos, Texas, 16 years ago, and never left. Today, we discuss Sean's journey in coaching and in life, and some of the crossroads that he's encountered, which are integral in bringing him to the place he is right now. This conversation is loaded with real conversation and real inspiration. We hope that you love it as much as we loved recording it. Now, let's get into the conversation with Sean. What is happening, my friend? How are you? Good. How are you, sir? Ah, you know, I'm good. In sunny Portland, Oregon today, it's a little chilly, but uh, you know, we're, we're making it. I, I, find, I feel as though that I start almost every podcast giving like a, hey, I'm here in Portland and here's the weather. But like, <laughs> Well, I will tell you in Texas, we're having a cold spell. Oh, I was, God. We're playing Ohio State in baseball today, so I was so excited to go, but it's right. We got another week of winter, so it, it's not good. Is Trout still the coach down there? Yes. Uh, Trout is the head coach. And Doing good things, remember, so it's been fun. But I was so excited Ohio State was coming, and then I was like, it's 45 degrees. Sorry, baseball, I'm going to... It snowed here yesterday. Like, we yeah. <laughs> we had snow on the ground and everything. So, you said Texas, right? I gave my weather update. You gave a weather update. But, like, where in the world is Sean Hewitt these days? What's it what, like? <laughs> <laughs> I am now the head coach at Texas State. Um, as you know, I had been here for a long time as the assistant, uh, 14 years to be exact. You, 14, 14 years. 14. I moved here in the summer of 06, and it's so crazy to think of that. And even at that time, I was like, oh, when I looked it up, I did all these interviews and all this stuff, and I was like, no, they win some championships or good, you know, good mid-major. I was like, I can be 30 minutes from Austin, quick stop, next stop on my career, and then – 14 years later, Fast forward, you're the head coach and, you're the head coach, and the, here we go. the fastest to 50 wins. And I mean, that uh, was the COVID year again. It was, that was hard to handle, but uh, we had to play all those matches. And so that first year we had 31 wins um, and it was crazy, but we played uh, the Sun Belt stayed in the fall. Mm-hmm. And then so we won that uh, it was our third in a row, which was awesome. Um, and then we had to go and get a schedule and play in the spring because the NCAA tournament got pushed back to April. Yep. Um, and so it was fun. Uh, I was 
probably the aftermath was more challenging with the mental side with your kids. And our SID at the end of this year was like, you know, you played it was like 74 matches in a year and a half. And I was like, that's a lot. So, um, but yeah, you know, 50 wins and trying to get a lot more if we can. I mean, that, that that's crazy to think about. So for our listeners that are tuning in that aren't volley dorks and, you know, volley geeks yeah. like all of us, Sean's the head co- volleyball coach at Texas State University. Um, and it's interesting, right? Texas State, I mean, you said you did some research, you'll go get some wins, a stop on the on the map or on the coaching journey. Yeah. As like most assistants do, right? Like, I mean, again, I was I was in that boat. Like, okay, hey, let's let's figure out my roadmap. Here's what's going on and everything. And, you know, 14 years later, you're now the head coach. But I'd imagine that it was like it, the journey wasn't as streamlined and as seamless as it as it seems it could be. No, you know what? Someone actually asked me that this weekend out recruiting. They were like, you know, hey, like, this might sound like, I don't, and I forget how they worded it, but they were like, can I ask you this question? And I was like, yeah, and like, what made you stay so long? Like 14 years at a, at a place as the assistant. Um, and, you know, I was like, it was easy for me in a sense. I love where I live. San Marcos is in between Austin and San Antonio. And I love being here. It's big enough to be, it's a college town, but big enough not to like run into athletes and do all that kind of stuff. Um, but we're 20, 25 miles from Austin. Um, I love Austin. Um, and with that, a lot of people like make stops. Like I said, it was like, oh, this good mid-major. And then you want to go to the next level and try to work your way up. Um I, I was never someone that felt like I had to be in power five or I need to be power five or anything like that. But, you know, I wanted to coach at the highest level I could. But when I got to Texas State, we were uh, probably like 28,000 in the Southland, a little bit smaller mm-hmm. conference. Um, Texas State made the jump as I was here. And so like the, we went from the WAC, from the Southland to the WAC, to the Sunbelt, mm-hmm. um, the school's at over 40,000 now. Um, and so the university made the jump as well. Yeah. Um, and so it was like, it kind of like I made those stops that some people have to go to while I was here. I didn't have to go anywhere, you know? And so I loved who I worked with coaches and had been here for 40 <laughs> years. Uh, Tracy was here. We, at one point her last year, right before she retired, Tracy had been here 18 years. I had been here 14 Coach Chisholm had been here 40. So we were like the most tenured staff in the NCAA. And it was, it just worked. It was crazy. Like we just. Can we just talk about 40 years in one spot? Like, I mean, Coach Chisholm was a legend. Like, I mean, again, you and I, and we'll we'll go all over the place. But I mean, you and I were fortunate enough to coach against each other when I was coaching at Georgia State and all that. And like, I got to, to meet Coach Chisholm and, you know, know her and like, 40 years in one spot. Yeah. Like I, after the first year, I was like, how the hell did you do this? Like I'm retiring next right. year. Um, but you know, it was cause that for me, it was like, I got the job in December, got to hire my assistants in January. Um, and then COVID hits and it's like, Oh wait, this is what this is like, you know? <laughs> so it's not been a traditional season really yet. You know, we're kind of getting into that this year. Um, but even like this year, we had the aftermath of having to play three straight seasons. Um, so, so there's been all that. But again, that's part of the the new rule and all that. But um, luckily, I have two really good assistants that make me look good. Keith and Tori are awesome. Yeah. So. I mean, again, fortunate to cross, you know cross their paths. You know, Keith was when he was at Arlington, and then Tori yeah. was she done it. She was at Arkansas, Arkansas State. Arkansas State, that's it. Well, we're all in Mount Member because we, we have that picture from the banquet yeah. where we're all together. We're the blue pants on. At the banquet. Yeah, and we're all at the banquet. And it's so funny when we talk about that all the time, like how we all played against each other and 
then here we are. Well, yeah, and I even think of just even people within the, you know, that were a part of it, right? Like there, there were the three of you and then like Betsy's now the head coach at UAB. Yep. Um, yep. Tristan was at Arkansas State. Now he's at, uh, where's he? North Alabama. North Alabama. Yes. I mean, again, it just, and that was a cool bunch of people that we were just surrounded yeah. by. Like I really, I, like I reflect on that and as much as, you know, traveling and the road and all that, like kind of sucked for our conference a little bit, especially coming to y'all, but like, okay. you know, it was a good group of people. Yeah. Like, I mean, no, and then that's, again, that's, I think what's probably with even coach Chisholm and you go back to the 40 years and me, it's just the people, the relationships, that kind of stuff. It's just, I love it. Cause it's a conference that you can be really good and, and, and get to the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. win a lot of matches, but it's also, the num- I mean, we have a head coaches group text and everyone loves it. And all the new coaches are like, oh my gosh, we didn't have yeah. this or this is so fun. Like, you know, normally you're in a group text and you don't want to respond or you don't want to sure. do this. And here we are wishing everyone happy birthday and sending funny dance memes and all that stuff, you know? And so the relationship side of it, again, I think the Sunbelt is, is really cool with that. So I, I love that side of well, it. Well, and then also, but again, like for me, one of the things that I love, one of the things that I do in real life, you know, from the, you know, from the Adidas side of things, like build community and that and like community's huge. Right. And to be able to have that within an overall conference, right. To where you're, you're going at each other, you know, you're, you're competing wins and losses. Your jobs essentially depend on that, but yet you're still, friends. And again, I even think about like, uh, Matt, former head coach at App State, mm-hmm. right? Like, and you know, when Chad goes ahead and leaves and takes the, takes the job at Georgia Southern, you know, and take, you know, takes, um, I'm going to run a bank. Me and Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. Taylor mm-hmm. either out like, and here goes Matt, like having to restart, but like, again, it's, it's kind of the evolution, right? So, but the fact that everything is cool there. Yeah. It's, I mean, again, and I was fortunate, uh, my, you know, I was at Georgia state for three seasons with, you know, with Sally and Betsy and, you know, Sally is one of my favorite, you one of the most kindest, most like giving she's individuals a, I've ever met. Yeah, I love her. I love her. I love her. Yeah, she's amazing. But that's the fun thing about when I got this and kind of put my list together of assistants and everything is, you know, I talked to a lot of people too about that um, side of things like, you know, friends like are you gonna hire yeah. friends are you gonna have that? But like they were my friends through volleyball like i would not have met them outside of volleyball you know they were it was that connection we made when we were on the sun belt there mm-hmm. and then they moved on to other jobs so that was that was kind of cool that that we all got to relate back to that as like if maybe they didn't take the job there i you know we never would have met but also i don't know if i would have hired them. you know the process would have Yo, been different for sure. Well, I think that's a, that's a cool question. This like, hasn't come up in any of this stuff, like for any newer head coaches or people that are debating on head coaching or understanding that, right? Like that's something that, I mean, people think about hiring assistants. So I'll get, I'll I'll tease that while I talk and then you can, but like the process of hiring assistants and understanding how to build your list and how to do this stuff and how to vet and who to talk to and all that, like, what was, what was that process like for you? Because I'm curious, I never got into the head coaching space collegiately or anything like that, but like, what was that like? It was different. Cause again, here I was as the assistant, I had never been a head coach either, yeah. you know? And so it was kind of, um, you have this who I think or what I want, you know, a couple of people I talked to, um, you know, some advice was to, um, you need people that compliment you. And I think that's what works so well with coach Chisholm, Tracy and I, we were a very different dynamic, um, but we just worked together. Mm -hmm. We Chisholm did one thing really good. Tracy did this. I did that. And so it was like, 
for me, I had to dig deep a little bit and like think of my weaknesses. What am I not good at? What do I don't like to do? What, um, think of the things that, again, like my biggest weaknesses. And I want to get people that complement that and can help me do that. And so there's that side mm-hmm. of it. Um, so then I kind of get my list a little bit. And then um, I had talked to Bird at AM because she had just yeah. gone through that process. Um, Trout as well here at Texas State um, just done the same thing. And it was they're one of their things too was like, also don't not just interview people like you need to go to go to Pittsburgh at that time and interview some of the people that are emailing you and you know people are going to come out of the work and send you all mm. these texts and this and I have this person and I have this person but actually meet those people because something might strike right. you or I will tell you like I've met three or four people that I talked to that I wasn't sure if they were going to have a shot or if I could get my top two who I wanted but two of them have become great friends and talk to them every day almost yeah. you know and I never met them if I didn't make the connection and sit down and talk to them about the job. Um, and so that, that part of it of kind of knowing kind of what you want, your weaknesses, but also don't just be closed off to that list. Like go ahead and go through all the resumes and all the people that, you know, are sending stuff into you because for me, that's, that's made some really good connections in other avenues of volleyball. That's interesting to think. Cause I've got a lot of friends that, you know, are searching for jobs, not even, like even outside coaching, just talk like work. Yeah. Right. And, it's, it's funny because when I talk to a lot of them, they sit and they talk about, well, I send my resume in and did it. And like, I've had people throw stats at me like, well, you know, a recruiter looks at a resume for a total of six seconds and it gets passed on, right? Like, and to me, my, one of my big takeaways is, right, be in conversation with people and sit and try to figure it out as opposed to like, hey, somebody, oh, I've got this person, great. Like, it may be perfect for somebody else, but it may not be perfect for you. So to be able to kind of have those conversations and understand what people are actually about is huge. Mm-hmm, definitely. And again, there, there were some that I probably was like, Oh, I don't, and I'd be like, I'd be very upfront. And I was like, Hey, I have a top four. I'm going to see what I can do with it. Let me reach back out yeah. or, you know, let me see how this goes. I'm going to interview some people. If that doesn't work out, it doesn't. Um, but I also think there were, for me being a young head coach, not young in age, young in the fact that I was the first time head coach. Um, and there were a lot of young people at that time looking for jobs. And so it was good. I, every time I was like, listen, if this doesn't work out, I'd love to be a reference for you. Sure. I'd love to, you know, help you through this process and kind of, you know, I, I was here for a long time, but I did go on some other interviews and I did do some things. And I've had people be really good mm-hmm. mentors for me. Um, and so trying to, to establish that um, to them because it's, there's so many different I want to say crazy things, but the the hiring process and what they want and specifics and, you know, like, you know, some people have to hire a female. Some people have to do this. Some people need someone in the gym. Someone needs a recruiter. Mm -hmm. You know, some head coaches want to do everything and they just need robots, you know? And so it's so different to what people need. And I think it can get frustrating for people trying to find the jobs, but it's all you say. It's like, there's going to be a right fit. It's it's, things happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just think that was eye-opening to me is to really kind of sit down and, and look at every resume and kind of talk to as many people as I could. Um, that final four picture was, my head was spinning a lot. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. I'm still waiting for that text to see if I'm interested, but you know, I mean, I, I, I got it. <laughs> you were out of the, I know. You got out of the game. I, I had two other friends that were like, oh, you didn't, you weren't going to retire. I'm like, no, I wouldn't. You, you haven't coached in five years. If you wanted to get back in the game, you should have freaking said, hey. It's, well, it's funny, right? Like, and again, I referenced Matt Jennifer. I talked to him. He was yeah. my first episode. You know, he's 
removed himself from coaching right now trying to figure like it's a different space being outside of coaching right and mm-hmm. again i've had plenty of people because i'm still at tournaments you know through yeah. in real life work and all like do you miss it i'm like no and i miss aspects of it right yeah, i miss for sure. if i'm being candid i miss this i miss like being able to see you you know give you a hug and the stuff that you went through in Kansas city this weekend, but like with people that I want to see, right. The people that with people that I want to be around, but I don't miss like the, all the stuff that comes with it, particularly Mm -hmm. as an assistant. Right. And again, I'm not down like I, I'm where I'm at for a reason. And my journey is unique to me. And, but like, there are certain things like, that would be, I would be find hard as an assistant at times, like being a you know husband, a father, like things like, like those are all different things for me that caused a lot of reflection and allowed me an easy transition out. Right. Like, so. Yeah. And I, I talked to a lot of people that both, yeah. you know, like they get out and they're like, Oh my gosh, no, I'm a coach. I got to do this. I yeah. need to do this. And I need to coach volleyball, not something else, you know? Cause some people are like, Oh, I'm a coach, but I could do this or teacher. Yeah. And then you say, get people that get out and they're like, you know, I had all weekend off mm-hmm. Saturday, Sunday, you know, I had this and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's different. We don't always get that, you yeah. know? So I, I think there, like you say, it, it's, it's where I'm supposed to be. It's there's times when away from family and hard things like that. But I also look at, um, Declan, um, right now growing up in an athletic environment has been so awesome. You yeah. know, I think there's so many benefits with it too. So it, it's, I think it's kind of, like you say, everyone has a story or a journey yeah. and, some people stay in that and go, and then other people see something else and, yeah. and can do it. Well, Corey and, Corey and I were talking about like the athletic environment and all that stuff. And it's not like, it's not a bad, I think it's a really great place to raise kids. It just like, it's a, it just takes a different mindset, a different parenting mindset, a different coaching mindset and all of those things. And again, I'll probably get back into coaching at some point in time, whether it's, you know, if and when, you know, my, my baby giraffe decides that she wants to play volleyball or do something like I already got her recruiting. That's fine. Just, I mean, we'll, I, I had the, what class she is, but I've got it mapped out already, but like, I know I'll do get into it, but the things that I miss, right. As I said, the connection and it's, it's the impact. It's the impact on the players that, that meant the most to me. And I I said this, I think in one of my other interviews, like it's terrible to say, I could care less about the wins and losses. Like I, I, I come from a place of empathy. I come from a place of all these different things. And like, to me, it was always about the females, all the, about the girls and making sure that they were continuing to move forward because at that, like that age, it's such an impressionable time. It's so, they're so impacted and to be able to be a positive male role model for them or a positive role model just in general was something that I absolutely loved. And I still keep in contact with several of my, the former players and, you know, I, I miss that. I miss that. Yeah. Well, I think one of those things kind of like you said, kind of, it's different, but I was just talking to, Liz at TCU and we went out recruiting this weekend um, and Tori brought the baby because she's breastfeeding and that that's just what needs to happen, you know? And she's like, you know, I just want to say how awesome that is that you're, you know, helping her do that and allowing her to be a mom and be that. And I'm like, even as a male, we need more female head coaches. We need more female coaches in the game. And I was like, to be able to, I think for an athlete to see a mom, live out her dream mm-hmm. job and still be a mom. That's great. I, I, I was like, that to me is so, I, I mean, cause again, then you start feeling to people 
you know, they don't want to have families. They have to pick and choose, yep. you know. And for me, it's been so easy because Coach Chisholm was so awesome that she was very family oriented. Again, when I adopted Declan, I did it as a single dad. Um, so I knew things were going to be crazy. I knew things were going to um, be hard at times. But, you know, you just adapt and do it. But I feel like if if I was in a different environment, you know, I've talked to people before that their kids have never even been in the gym or to work with them. Huh. And I was like... I could never see that side of it. But I think, like you say, the being able to empower women to show other women, you can have your dream job, whatever it be. Like Tori loves to coach and that's what she's good at. And so she can also be a mom too. And sometimes they have to go hand in hand. Um, And so it it was good for people to see that too. I think there's some universities that do a really good job with that. Um, I still think there's a long way to go to try to show like, hey, like, we want more women in coaching, we've got to be able to allow them to be mothers too mm-hmm. and families. To me, it goes back to, <clears throat> it's like the human element, right? Like we're all humans first, right? And then mm-hmm. you're not defined by your job. You're, I mean, again, you say when you introduce yourself, hey, I'm Sean Hewitt, da, 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 head volleyball coach, Texas State University. But like, that's just a piece of who you are. That's the, like, that doesn't define you at, at your core you're Sean, right? Like at my core, I'm Steve. I just, I happen to be a husband, a father, a serial dot connector, somebody that loves all of this just really cool shit. But like that to me is the biggest thing because people end up getting put in a box and you have to behave a certain way because you're a female, because you're a male, because of this, because of that. And like, I think that's part of the problem that, I mean, again, we're not going, I'm not getting political. I'm not doing any (laughs) of that stuff, but like, that's part of the problem with life right now, because People have set expectations yeah. for other people as opposed to allowing people to live their lives how they're how they want to. Yeah. It's for sure. So you talked you talked about Declan a couple of times, and I do want to get to him, but I want to go, I want to go back. We're gonna go back even further and back <laughs> up because you said you miss home, like you miss being mm-hmm. around, and I know that you're very close with your family or all that stuff, but I, I like I kind of want to understand like your journey from like where you're from. I know where you're from, but I want you to share that and kind of at least the journey going back further to how you got here. And then if, I mean, we'll probably go a couple different cross streets and we'll kick off a different couple different ways. For sure. Well, obviously, um, you know, I was a Cincinnati boy, born and raised Cincinnati. Um, so wait, hold on. Were you happy when the Bengals won? Or when they lost? Yes. Them, well, when the Bengals won and then when they – I was happy after the first one. 31 years without a Super Bowl, I know, uh, right? without a playoff win. They won the first one. I was like, season made. And then they kept going. I was like, we're going to win. That was a hell of a run. And it just hit the was. very end. But like, I know I've got friends in Cincinnati, right? And just watching like the the stories and the timelines. And I mean, when they made it there, like, I mean, it was you like, you didn't have what to What it win. did for the city yes. and just everything. I mean, we've been dying for years to have a good sports team. Um, and so we always call it the Cincinnati curse. Um, but yeah, it was, and again, for me, I, I like football. I don't not yeah. like football, but it's during volleyball season. It's on Sunday. Can't pay attention. So like, I have a Sunday. I am not want to lay on the couch and watch football, yeah. like, you know, or we're doing something with volleyball. So, um, but you know, you're a diehard Cincinnati person when you're born and raised. Yeah. And so it, it was fun to follow. Actually, my parents came, um, to watch Declan while we, we went up to a wedding and they brought us all me and Brian and his kids. Um, and Declan, they brought us all bangle shirts so we could have. Oh, that's amazing. Goals. Before we move past, before good. we move past Cincinnati. Yeah. Skyline thumbs up, thumbs down. Up, up, up. People that say down, I, <laughs> I can't like, there's no up, up. It's, I think it, I've been away from home 
not including when I went away to college, but since 2005. And it is my first stop every time I go home, except I could probably count on this hand the number of times that I couldn't stop there. What do you, what's your go-to? Three-way, exercise of cheese, crackers, cheese, go do it. I was, back whenever I ate meat and when we were in Cincinnati, I was like, I would get it. It's such a, for those that don't know, Cincinnati style chili is very, very unique. It's got like hints of nutmeg and cinnamon and chocolate in it. And like, it's just a very, and it's, I like to, uh, this is going to be a terrible visual, but like, it's like a meat slurry. Like it's just very, (laughs) it's very thin and like just meaty. And, but I used to do the, the conies like in, yeah. It's yeah. If you don't like skyline, (laughs) but moving on um, skyline for sure. Go for it. Um, but yeah, so then I, I went to Moeller. We actually had volleyball. My I didn't know you were a Moeller. I didn't know you went to Moeller. Yeah. My mom coached when I was little. Like she was like the CYO lady, like in the gym all the time. And my uh, dad was a referee and basketball mm-hmm. coach. So we were in the gym as kids all the time. We played every sport. Uh, my mom did volleyball. And every once in a while, I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like um, my, I have cousins that played in college. Um so cut to my sophomore year. This is where I'm going to be vulnerable and let everyone know. I also was into theater at that point in my life. Uh-oh. I was going to be, I was moving to LA, New York. I was going to be an actor. Like that was it. Like that was my thing. Um, now I can't really sing. So that was kind <laughs> of a downfall. But so I was in um, a couple of high school plays. Yep. So sophomore year, we get volleyball. It's going to be the first year. We're having tryouts. Like We're all trying out. Um, at the same time, I'm trying out for a part in the school play. Um, I go to the make it to the final cut of volleyball for varsity. Um, and then the day we are supposed to go back for the last tryout, I got the call that I got a lead part in the school play. Oh, no. So I didn't even go back. So I didn't even play volleyball in high school, even though we had it. I stayed the play route and did theater throughout high school. Um, my senior year, we won state in volleyball. So I, they still send me pictures of their rings and the things I missed. Um, I remind them that I at least got to go on spring break while they were playing and practicing. Like the yeah. things that you're like, oh, well, I did yeah, this. I did, uh, that's fine. I did this. <laughs> yeah, I was doing that. Um, so then it was crazy. Then I got to college and one of my high school friends, um, kind of more of an acquaintance, um, we ended up living together in, um, college and he was on the, uh, he played in high school. And so he's like, just come to the tryouts, you know, just come to the men's club tryouts. And we went, um, Brian Yale, you know, that name, mm-hmm. he current, current Green. associate head coach over at the university Iowa. of Iowa. Yep, yeah. he, he was on. Uh, he was on the team. I actually, just ran into a guy this weekend, Drew Teeman. Um, he was on the. He was one of the older guys. And the, I went. Um, and after all was done, my Clint was. My friend Clint was like, "Oh, you, we're, you're fine. You're going to make this." Da, da, da. He gets a call that night. He like made the A team. I had to go back for the next thing. Well, anyway, I end up getting. I didn't make it, so I was like, "Screw it. I'm not going to play volleyball." Like over it. Um, and then like the first week of. Um, coming back after Christmas break, I get a call and they're like, Hey, like, we don't know really what happened. Like you should have been on the team, but 
we don't know what happened, whatever. Can you come back? And I went back and I was on the A team and then played club for longer than I was in college, longer than you're supposed to be. There was no COVID year. <laughs> there was no, I don't have a doctor degree or anything like that. I just took a little bit longer than others to do that and enjoyed club volleyball. And as I was playing club volleyball, um, hung out with the girls that were on the varsity team and just kind of met them. And then I randomly one day, Denise Vanderwally, she was, she's who I owe this all to. I tell her all the time. I ran into her at the cafeteria and she's like, wait, you're on the club team and you're a setter, right? And I was like, yeah. She's like, we only have one setter. Could you come in and practice with us? So I was like, okay. Sure. So I practiced with them all spring, came back that fall. And she's like, would you want to be a student coach? And I was like, what does that mean? And she kind of told me and I was like, cool. And got all this free gear and yeah. To go on bus rides and hang out with the girls and you know do all that stuff and so I was like this is kind of cool and I also was to be honest at that point in my life had changed my major like three times I didn't really know what I wanted to do sure. I knew I wanted to do something maybe education um, again if being honest school wasn't my favorite thing I had to work really hard at it um, and so it wasn't my favorite thing um, but I knew obviously I wanted to do something with teaching or coach I didn't really know coaching at that point right. um, but so I started that and then I worked my way up there at Bowling Green. I was the student coach. I ended up being the volunteer. I got on at Premier in Toledo, uh, Jody uh, Shram, and she gave me my first club team and started running with it. And then I started coaching club and doing all that. And then I was like, oh, I can, I can do this. Um, I took my first paying job um, in 2005, four. At Indiana State. So I went to Indiana State, which is in Terre Haute. It was about an hour and a half from family. So that was awesome. Yeah, made sense. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'm going to get paid. I'm this and that. Um, it was a very good learning experience. And it's Terre, and it's Terre Haute. Nothing against Terre Haute, but it's, it's nothing Terre Haute. Nothing against Terre Haute, but yeah. I wasn't there a lot. Um, but I met some really cool people. I the group of kids I coached there, they had never, um, they had uh, six seniors that had played their whole year. So they went, we made it to the conference semifinals. We did some really fun things, um, really cool things for Indiana State. Um, I, the assistant at the time, Monty, is still a good friend. And so I met some good people, great experience. One of my best friends, um, who was the strength coach to this day, uh, they actually, him and his wife surprised me in Corpus this year. Um, so like you say, we always talk about the connection piece and what yeah. you're supposed to be somewhere for a reason, you know? Um, but I then went back to Premier and was like, gosh, what am I going to do? It wasn't the experience that I really thought was going to happen. It wasn't like, okay, what's next? It was more like, oh, we need to rethink this yeah, a little is bit. The, is this uh, like where, like, is this my path, right? Like, I yeah, get it. It was, and it taught me a lot to, at an early age about being in charge and how I wanted to be as, if I ever got in charge or, you know, kind of that, that side of things. Um, went back to premiere uh and worked full-time there and volunteered another year at bowling green and was like let's let's see what this is and at that point then i started that summer of summer of 06 you know that may-ish time frame i started applying for jobs um gonzaga east carolina just a lot of things were open texas state um and i really wanted to Gonzaga, if we're being honest, because I'm a basketball sure. person. So NCAA basketball, Gonzaga, you know, I was like, gosh, how cool would that be? Um, but I phone interviewed there, East Carolina, one other, I don't even remember. But um, Mark Rosen, the head coach at Michigan, mm -hmm. who is one of my references, I've always worked there, Camps and him and Lisa are. Amazing. Two, Just 
two of my faves. Yeah. yeah, I love them to death. Um, he knew Tracy, who was here, uh, Tracy Smith, uh, really well. And he's like, hey, like, I think this could be a, a good gig. Like, you should look at it. Um, so he had called for me. I came down and interviewed. I actually left my – we went to AAU Nationals with my club team. And I left my club team, flew here for a day, um, interviewed, flew back. They offered me the job. and The rest is history. Here we are. <laughs> Umpteen years later, um, so I really haven't had many stops. I've had a little bit of diversion here and there. I've had a little bit of, you know, maybe change direction, maybe not. Um, but I think that's part of the, like you, you keep saying it, like everyone's journey is different. Mm -hmm. Everyone's, you know, path into this is is your path into it. And so it's crazy to think back of how it all, I literally, if Denise Vandewale wouldn't have said hello to me in the, cafeteria we might not be sitting here talking like this but we might not be sitting here talking about this, and that so. like that's the interesting thing you uh, so uh, i want to go back you said that you haven't had a lot of stops and what instantly popped in my head was yes you haven't had a lot of stops but your journey has been significant and that's like that to me is the biggest thing right like you're continuing to live this journey that is unique to sean mine was very different right like i mean volunteer at small division three school right after I got laid off from my job, I didn't have a college degree, finished my college degree online while still volunteering up at Baldwin Wallace. Then thinking I got coaches for coaches. Go ahead. You're good. I, forgot, I was going to say, I forgot about Baldwin yeah. Wallace. So like Baldwin stopped, Wallace. Yeah. Well, and again, you can even go back. We'll go, let me go forward and then we'll come back. Cause again, kind of where our paths cross too. I'll come back to that. But like, it's kind of like the Paula Abdul song, two steps forward, one step back. I ahead. love it. Great reference. Maybe we'll, we'll link, we'll link the you. song in the show notes, right? Like <laughs> just, just part of my ADD kicking in. So go all ahead. good. Uh, well, that's why I let you keep talking. So that way you just keep going and keep your focus. <laughs> yeah. I warned you. So I good. know. Um, I got coaches for coaches that year. Like it was the first year for coaches for coaches. I got flown down to Tampa. I'm like, oh, all this great stuff. I'm meeting, like, I remember meeting people like all over the place. Right. And then I'm like, I'm going to make it, mom, I'm going to make it. Right. And I'm going to get you like, and I didn't make it. Like it was one of those that I sat and I had a couple phone interviews. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the one. Uh, I had a phone interview with Stephen F. Austin. I distinctly remember this. <laughs> Um, and it was for like, I don't know if they have one or it was one or two assistants, but like, yeah, you know, it's like $18,000 a year and da, 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 And I'm like, I'm married and all this. And I'm sitting there like, what? Yeah, right. So again, cause I didn't play at a high level, you know, I played yeah. club at university of Toledo and I wasn't good. I like, I sucked. I was a goofy, I was a goofy, I, mean, I was I'm a goofy not, footed. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying you in general, but like, obviously as a bowling oh, game person, we, didn't lose, we did not lose to Toledo I, much. So go ahead. It's well, fine. we'll make sure, I'll make sure that I send that. During I'll, my time period. I know my time period. Kind of I'll send that clip. I'll send that clip over to Mike Froelich and we'll, uh, <laughs> Froelich will not be <laughs> no, he will not, but I will make sure that I send that to him. <laughs> um, but like, <laughs> but I was like, I was a goofy footed middle and right side. I'd never had been trained. I'd not like, so here I am. I don't have a pedigree. I don't have any of this stuff. And I think that I'm going to get this because I can connect with people and uh, you know I got coaches for coaches so sadly mistaken you're in volunteer so I worked a couple camps I just did my connecting right and I worked a couple camps yeah. Ohio State Michigan you know Mark and Lisa I helped help them quite a bit and then I did uh, up at uh, Marquette with Bond and I ended up volunteering up at Marquette to get my foot in the door so I moved to to Chicago with my in-laws well, my wife was living in Cleveland still, and I drove to Milwaukee every day 
in hopes and the sacrifices to, we make. I know, right? Like, but again, people that aren't a part of this, part of the the volleyball, particularly the volleyball coaching space, don't fully get that, right? Like, it's not. No, yeah. So, I literally when you tell people you volunteer, they're like, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like. You got to get your foot in the door. And this wasn't yeah. like, and this was a while ago. So it's not like it was like a, a good, like volunteer job to where, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And it was like, it was good for like, I mean, the staff there was Bond. It was Craig and Michaela, right? You know, Craig, yeah. the associate head coach over at Notre Dame, you know, Michaela, yeah. you know, was over at Clemson, you know, and all that stuff. But yeah. like, so I go from there and I'm like, okay, I got like, this is it. I got to figure this out. So then it was down to Houston, was there for a year with Molly, then up to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm with Molly and Nicole was there for two years and done to Georgia state for three years. And then out here. So like putting a bow on all this, literally you may not have had a lot of stops, but your journey is substantial. I've had a lot of stops and then my journey is also substantial and it's the one that I'm supposed to be on. Like exactly. it's good. But again, it's unique to me. It's unique to you. And I think that's the cool thing about life, man. Like we get the opportunity to live it how we want it and learn and keep moving forward. Yeah. You're like over there preaching things. I'm here for it. I mean, it. I, that, but you can tell, like, that's the stuff that I love, right? Like, that's that, yeah. that's what lights me up. I want to go back, so kind of to and just real snippet, like you were doing the club thing uh, or club with BG and doing all that stuff, and our paths crossed because of club volleyball. Because my wife played at Toledo, I was yeah. out of school. I had dropped out of school at that time before I went back. So no, everybody asked, "Oh, did you coach her?" I'm like, "No, I wasn't even stop." like quickly Ooh. weird but like so our paths kind of crossed through that and i distinctly remember this is whenever i was down at houston right here's one of my favorite sean memories was whenever oh when rachel when rachel came down to houston for with Corey. Rachel, oh yeah rachel Holler. well rachel spatalski now but like also my heart also my heart gets nervous when you go rachel. <laughs> that I, girl love her to death yes and I remember when she came down and we drove over from Houston to visit you and we went out on sixth street and then we went floated the river and all we like, did all the Texas, all the things Texas here things Floated the river Sixth street. I mean, it was, I thought y'all were moving in after that. I thought I was like, God, I got them hooked. They're coming back. They're ready. But you couldn't get me a job. I mean, again, I know that's, true. that's part of it at that point. We were all uh, still here for a long time. Yeah. So. I was going to say, I mean, it's, whew. It's been quite a journey. Gosh. Uh, I love, I love, like, I love reminiscing my bro. I talked to my brother. I'll go on a tangent real quick and then come back. But like me and my brother were talking one day and the past, like the past is already written. It's written in pen. As I look at my notes and my journal and all that stuff, it's written in pen, but our future has yet to be written. So we can kind of roadmap that and we can talk about where we want to go, but until it happens, it's nothing set in stone. And I think that's the cool thing, right? Going back to the journey, like my journey's unique, your journey's unique. And I, I'm wondering, right, like as you look back at what's already written, like your story, Sean's story, where you're at right now, right? Like are there like moments that stand out for you as like crossroads or pivotal like spots or things that just really stand out from your past that it, like kind of have shaped you and brought you to this point right now? Yeah. Oh gosh. (laughs) That is it. Yeah. Um, I think a lot and specifically to coaching, I got, I know I've said it a a couple of times, like meeting Denise. Um, it also like all was kind of like a crazy situation too. I had friends on the team that got in trouble for partying and one of their teammates was 
going to basically fabricate the story to get them in trouble. And they, I was like, no, I'll go talk to your coach until I was with y'all all night, you know? So then I, here I was going to talk to their coach about, you know, this girl is fabricating it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, then they were like, let's just admit it and take the punishment. So then I'm walking in to like talk about that. And then she's, they're walking out and like, oh, we just got a one game suspension. So I'm like, now you made me look like I was going to go in and lie for y'all. Um, but that was like the first thing with Denise. And then the next time I saw her, she was like asking me to be a part of their program. Um, and so it's just like you say, the craziness of how that all, mm-hmm. when I just talked to her like last week, she just got engaged. Um, oh, okay. She's, she, uh, I went back in May, she got inducted into the hall of fame. Um, and that was a fun trip. I got to go uh, back to BG and reminisce and kind of watch her get inducted to hall of fame. But um, it, it was just, that's a point that it's like, when I think back and look at why I'm coaching, it was that interaction mm-hmm. and what she did for me as a, as a young person that wanted to coach. Um, she, I don't think in the four to five years that I was there as a student or a volunteer that I paid for a meal with her. She bought my lunch every day. She, you know, did what she could cause she knew I was volunteering mm-hmm. my time. Like she was just that kind of genuine person. Um, and so taught me some things there, but um, that that's a major one in the coaching sure. side of things. Um, I think kind of life, uh, as you alluded to, I'm close with my family. I've always been within like a, a driving distance. Um, so when I was looking at this job, the fear of picking up and moving, mm-hmm. to, you know, a plane right away. It's an 18-hour drive some days um, if you're going to drive, which we have before. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a plane right away. Um, you know you're going to miss – my niece is being born, you know, things you're going to miss things with family. Um, that, uh, that piece was hard, but I think it helped me kind of mature and grow up a little bit as well, but it also made it me really reach out and branch out for family or kind of like second family mm-hmm. here, you know? And so those are some, some things that I think that have helped me kind of evolve, um, and kind of grow, um, as we go. And then being here, um, I will say the the part that probably moving away from home, I think, ended up ending being easier. And um, I don't want to say the word easier because that's not the right way to say it. But you know, I had I I didn't come out until I was thirty eight years old, thirty seven years old, and so I don't know. It would be interesting to see if I was still in and around as close to my family as I was, like what did that part of me come out? I don't know that, that part, I think I always say like, for me, my coming out story um, was, I always had in my brain that when I met someone, first of all, you go to the, the battle of fighting. Am I gay or not? Like, you know, you know, you are, you don't want to be this, like I can never get married. I can't have kids. You know, there's all this and you, you kind of, battled that for a long time, which I will say for me personally, I never, I never felt like a depression. I never felt living two lives. I never felt any of that kind of stuff. Um, I just knew that I was different, but I didn't feel like I was hiding things, you know, like at that phase, I never really dated a guy. I never, you know, did any of that. Um, and then when I moved to Austin it was almost like a freeing of like, oh, I could actually go on a date with a guy and no one's going to see me or mm-hmm. I can do that, you know? And it was kind of, I think that 
helped evolve more of being comfortable with actually who I am. Um, I didn't feel like I, I had to hide it. Mm-hmm. Once I started realizing like, Sean, you're gay, like that, that's where we're at. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that side, but as I, I've talked to my family and other people, like it wasn't until I met Brian, my boyfriend, um, that I started feeling I'm lying to them or I'm leading two different lives, you know, like, cause I'd like FaceTime them when he left or I'd go in the bedroom, you know, uh, like there were things like that, but I never felt like that until I started dating someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always say like, I, I didn't, I, I've heard a lot or read a lot where people feel like they are leading two lives. They're doing this and that, and you have to be straight over here and you can be here. Um, I was just Sean. I was just being what I always knew. Like I wasn't trying to do anything. And then when I met him and kind of was like, Oh my gosh, like, I think I love this man. Like what is going on here? It's like, and I always, I talked to him. Um, and then we'd have to circle back to talk a little bit about the Declan and the adoption thing. Um, but, um, I always told myself, you know, when I meet somebody, that, that'll be easier. When I meet someone, it'll be like, oh, I can be like, this is my boyfriend or this is this, you know? Um, and so I had one other friend um, and she um, owns an adoption agency in Columbus. So this is kind of jump a little bit. Go for it. That's it's okay. your, hey, it's, um, your, it's but, your story. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is that's the only other part. The only other time that I felt like this was um, we'd always talked. Like I, I, I honestly think some of my fears of coming out um, – were the I wanted to be a dad like that's besides coach I wanted to be a dad like I love kids I wanted that um and I always felt like that couldn't happen and I didn't I wasn't comfortable with myself yet enough to like go research other avenues I wasn't I didn't know really um other things besides a male a woman get pregnant here we go you know like um and so i have a really good friend her name's molly she owns an adoption agency in columbus and um we always talked like all the time like oh one day i'm, I'm gonna adopt i'm gonna adopt and we um i forget where we were but i kind of came out to her and we had this emotional thing and da 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 and it, it was within a pretty short period of time um she I reached back out and she's like, Hey, I have a situation and I need some help. Are you ready to adopt? And I was like, and instantly in my brain, my heart, I was like, yes, done deal. But then there was this part of me and I will never forget this till the day that I die, till the day I die. I was sitting in the Atlanta airport and she was like, Hey, like call me. And she's like, you know, we need to move on this. Like, I need your help. Do you want this? Like, we've got to, and I just like start, I just broke down and I was like bawling and I was like, and she's like, what's wrong? I was like, I never imagined being in the Atlanta airport and calling my parents and telling them I'm gay. And she's like, you idiot. You don't have to tell them you're gay. Just tell them you're adopting a kid. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. Okay, like, and to me, there were just so many other, you know, I thought, oh, instantly, like, I'm going to adopt a kid. I have to be gay. I'm not doing it the way everyone else is. They're going to instantly know. And it was like that part of it um, was challenging in a way. But also, I think, like I said, I think that helped me evolve to coming out. It was easier being away. Um, I think when I look back at my family and some of my closest friends, um, I say this 
I knew 1000% that my family and friends, close friends would be okay with Uh it. But in the community, knowing people, knowing, I mean, my own boyfriend's family doesn't speak to him. Like I'd seen too many people that once they came out, they lost family members, they lost friends. And even though deep down I knew that my, that wasn't going to be me, that just tiny bit. And if you do some research and do some of that stuff, like, I mean, sometimes those are the last people you tell because of Mm -hmm. that. And I think that hurt my family. Uh, We've had a lot of talks about that. I think it hurt some of my close friends, but they were the hardest to tell. Um, And I tried to explain that in a way like, and I don't mean this bad to any other friends that I came out before, but like, okay, if so-and-so over here quits talking to me, great. But if someone in my family or my best friends that I've grown up with, like, I couldn't handle that. And even though I knew Mm -hmm. that was, I think, what was weighing it down so long, you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, I don't know if I can do this, you know? And so um, Brian was also, my boyfriend was uber supportive and was like, you've got to do it on your time. Like, you know, he's like, everyone has the story, everyone, you know, but you want to be the one to tell them. You don't want someone else to, you don't Mm -hmm. want this to, you know? And so, um, I know I rambled there for a while a little bit, but it kind of like, I think that part of moving here made the coming out process probably easier in a way for me mm-hmm. um, because I got to lead that lifestyle here and it just kind of made it a little easier for me. So I want to, before we go wherever, like I want to, like, thank you for like, honestly trusting me to be able to like kind of share a piece of this story and you sharing the story with me. Right. Cause again, we've been friends a long time. And again, I, I know you, I love you as a friend. I always will. And I'm grateful that you are now able to truly mm-hmm. live the story that you're supposed to be living. Right. Because again, what you said was you knew, you knew, you knew, and yet you still couldn't fully be you. And I think that's, that's, that gives me a lot to think about again. And you know, we're both fathers, right? And how, how we're speaking to our children, how we're teaching our children to live their lives authentically and embrace them for who they are. Right. I mean, your situation with Declan is unique as well, right? Like, and again, those are different conversations that you're having to have and we can talk on that, but like, I want to kind of come back around, like, Dude, I'm uh, myself. And if nobody else tells you, like, thank you for sharing that. Because in my opinion, I think the more people that get to hear that, get to understand that back to titles and all of the things that we were talking about, right? Like, first and foremost, you're Sean. And there's so many different things that make up who you are and make you uniquely special and amazing and all of that. And the more that we can understand that and embrace that in people and in community and all that, like the better off the whole world's going to be, man. Yeah. It's like I say, I, I never, there's times I, I think, and I see, um, you know, uh, my stepson, Nate, like he's openly gay and he's a senior in high school. And there, I tell him all the time there, sometimes I am so jealous that he gets to live authentically as himself, um, as a 17 year old, because there's no chance in hell I could have done that. Um, but then, I also sit back and I'm like, I don't regret how mine happened. I don't regret my time. I, like I said, I know everyone's different. I never really 
battled any major depression with some of that. I never, like I said, felt like I was leading two lives or doing anything crazy like that. I was just always being me and, you know, and so I'm thankful for that. And, but I'm, but I also know there's other people that have it different, you Mm -hmm. know, like the fear of coming out does cause depression. The fear of causing out, coming out, um, just can't happen, you know, and that that's what they feel or that's kind of, and so just being like everyone's time, everyone's story to tell it, it it's, it's all there's, I don't know if you've seen Love, Simon, if you haven't, uh-huh. or if anyone hasn't, uh, watch it. I sent it to my, I literally, when I came out to my family, I was like, please watch this movie. And it's like, literally talks about being on a Ferris wheel and some days you're really high and some days you're really low. And, um, but the one kid gets outed at school and he basically is just like, I hate you for this. Cause it's my story. It's my thing. Like it's, it's for me to tell everyone that I'm gay, you mm-hmm. know? And so, um, it's just a really cool story for people. Um, so anyway, so that was, that was that. Um, but I, I like you say it, everyone's time to do that is on them. It's unique. It's unique to the person. And that's, I think that's the cool thing. And I think that's also one of the reasons why I started doing what I'm doing with the podcast and like, again, using it as a platform to share other people's stories that want to share it, right? Like yours is unique compared to like Lucy that I had on last week. That's, you know, big into sneakers and fashion and cannabis. Right. But like, and she's an immigrant daughter of immigrants, you know, like everybody, I don't care who you are, right. Whether you, you know, you come from, you know, very great upbringing or like your upbringing is challenging. Everybody's got a story. And I think everybody in the world, if we sit and pay attention to people's stories, we can learn something from everybody. And that's what, like, that's what I love to be able to do is like each person I've talked to has a unique thing that they bring to this world and that I've learned from, right? Like Matt, Jennifer and his vulnerability. We've talked about Matt a little bit, but like, you know, for him to actually truly admit that he was going through stuff and to, to be able to kind of know, like I, this is, this needs to stop. Like that spoke to so many coaches, right. That go through the rat race, yeah. right. Like, you know, talking with Lauren Carlini, right. You know, we were chatting before you sent that on yeah. over to your team, but like Lauren's story is so unique and how she handled it and how she was beat up about not making the roster. But yet here she is. And she's like, okay, I'm making a run. I'm doing this. This is like, and that, and you don't have to be a superstar, right? Like, I mean, I love like before Lucy, I talked to Greg Mead. He was the CEO. He's the CEO of CrossNet, right? Like Greg, serial entrepreneur hustle. Like there's a lot that I learned from him that I didn't necessarily think that I would. So like, I think that's the cool thing about, people is everybody's got a piece of them to share. Like, I don't know. That's what I think is awesome about the world. Right. I mean, <laughs> oh, and again, and, but I want to hear like, that's a good segue into, and I know about Declan, right? Like your story, the, like that piece of your story, right? So like, and I'm not discredited. I'm not going moving past your coming out. And all no, that, but no, like, not- that's it. Declan and that journey is a whole nother thing. Not on top of you trying to figure out the whole, coming out gay like there's but i think they kind of go hand in hand for me because that was like i said that was my fear was even when my friend told me that i was like oh my god i have to tell my family i'm gay because why would a single man adopt a kid you know why what Mm -hmm. you know why oh because he can't have his own you know and then i was like wait when you do more research there's plenty of kids that need adopted whether you're gay or straight single Mm -hmm. um and so that that helped and like you say was part of the story because it was 
you know. But yeah, that Declan, oh, that boy. <laughs> How old is he now? <laughs> Six. He's in kindergarten. Oh my goodness. He's in kindergarten, and he's he's awesome. I, God dang it, I'm always get emotional because of it's just say things happen. Like that boy was supposed to be in my life, yeah. and what he does for me, and what just the connection and the connection I have to his birth mom. Like it's just crazy that things happen like that, and you know, like his birth mom is, you know, it's so easy. And this is, I think even through this part of um, not even like the gay part of coming out, like it's so easy to pass judgment. I feel like so many people pass judgment on everyone's this or this and social media, you have to be perfect and see how many likes I get. And, you know, even so many times talking to people about, you know, her story. Um, it's so crazy to think, you know, why does this, why does she have two kids and then gave one up for adoption? Now he has another one to give up for adoption, you know? And I, we, I think it's so easy for people to look at that and be like, Oh my gosh, this is, she's this person or she's this type of person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, through the whole thing and, and getting to know her and, you know, she was 12 years old and her mother gave her away. I'm sorry. I don't know how I would be if my mother gave me away at the age of 12 mm. um, and to be able to do what she's done. And she's still raising two kids to be strong enough to know she couldn't raise the other two and give them a better life. I mean, that is it just crazy to me, but it's also like shows a strength that I couldn't even talk about, right. you know? And so I think it's so easy to pass that judgment, but for me, it's been so awesome to, sit and hear her story and actually listen to her um and you know kind of like say it's an open adoption so you know i'm i was like at one point declan's gonna look at me and know that i'm not his father like you know that i'm not his biological father um of course i am his father um but and so to still have that connection to her um you know and to be able to tell declan his story like that's part of his story like that is one day he's going to be old enough to know, you know, now these days it gets very, as we're driving the school and he told the kids in the back, uh, the neighbor kids and I, well, you know, um, I have two dads, I have six brothers and uh, my mom lives in Michigan cause she didn't want to marry my dad. And I was like, uh, these kids are going to have questions, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, he's not wrong. Like, no, we weren't going to get married, but you know, um, it's been, it's been really, really good for me in the sense of being able to share with him his story, mm-hmm. keep a connection to her so that he can know who he is and why, and what's his why, what's his purpose, you know? Um, and so that, um, that piece of the puzzle is definitely a little more challenging mm-hmm. at times, you know, he's at that age um, where he's very smart, which I'm very blessed. He's very smart. Um, he's at that age to know when to use, Oh, I want my mom. I want my mom. Or also you can tell boy really wants his mom. I can't provide that all the time, right. you know? And so um, balancing that can be really hard. It can be really taxing. Um, in that sense. Um, and so there's different avenues that we'll have to navigate through that. Um, but it's just, it's probably, you know, the, the relationships through coaching and the things we get there have been awesome. But I think my 
relationship and connection I met through her has probably been one of the most meaningful ones in my life. Uh, it's, and again, not talking faith really, but like whatever you believe in, right? Like that's, that's one of those junctures. That's one of the, there's that reason. There's a reason that like that part of your story is written in pen and why you're here right okay. now. And that's the cool, like, that's the cool thing. Like, and again, I remember whenever shortly after you, had, so he's six, I've been at Georgia state or I was at Georgia state for three years. I'm just working back. Cause I remember there was a time where I think we were down there for the conference tournament when I was still coaching oh, yeah. or no, maybe it wasn't the conference. No, it was the conference tournament. I think where he was, I know he was running around like the bleachers or whatever. Like, yeah. and again, like he was running everywhere. just watching, watching him evolve. And I think one of my favorite images that just gets locked in my head uh, of you mm. and him is that picture that you guys that you took with him on your shoulders? Mm-hmm. And now, like that is like that's the epitome of like when I think of you too. Like that is that's what comes to mind for me. And yeah. like that picture is pretty awesome. It's hanging in my house. It was during all the crazy times of what was going on with you know the Black Lives Matter and you know some of that and and kind of it's so crazy. And I think of this like. I talk to him about some of that stuff. It's like some of that, I don't want him to be too grown up. I want him to be a kid uh-huh. and do that. But some of the conversations that we've had to have, you know, as a black male, as a gay man, you know, yeah. like it's, it's almost like we're doing this together, uh, you know, and my boyfriend and I talk a lot about that with, you know, we're gay men raising kids. We've got to, you know, let them know this is who we are. Uh-huh. This is, you know, um, and not to be afraid of who they are. Maybe they do something here. Um, but just kind of like to Declan, like he has, you know, as a black male, some of the things he's going to have to go through and us as gay men, what we've had to go through and kind of that picture just kind of put it all together. Like, and it's so funny because he, he'll look at it now. Now when he's old, now he's older. Like obviously he gets it, gets it a little uh-huh. bit. Um, but I want, I want to say, not right after, but shortly after eight months or so, um, we were looking at it once when we finally got it, it was hanging. And he said, you know, um, now dad, remind me what your shirt says. And I said, it means black lives matter. It means I'm going to do everything in my power to give you the life that you deserve. And, you know, black people are just as equal as white people. Like, you know, you kind of dumb it down a little bit for a six year old, but also you're going. And then, um, God, I don't want to cry again. But and then I said to him, I said, Well, do you know what your shirt says? Do you want me to tell you what your shirt says? And he goes, Oh, no, I know. It means you can love anyone like you love Brian. And I was like, God, like he's five, you know, and he gets it, you know. And so I just think that's been pretty unique. You got me you know, a little bit there, man. Like Yeah. It's unique that he's and that's why I say, like, I I'm, I love that he's still a kid. Um, but I do think he's mature and older in a way because of a lot of the stuff. And like I say, he's smart. So he knows how to use it sometimes and kind of get under your skin with some of that. But also then you could also see in, in those little eyes when, you know, it's just a boy. I mean, for a while when he was growing up, he thought every female was mom, you know, because all his friends called everyone mom. You know, then we had to talk about adoption and, you know, and so it's just kind of part of the process going along. Um, but I think like you say, being open, um, and I know there's things that he doesn't understand, understand, but it's, it's part of the story for him to know who 
who he really is. And he, he'll get it one day, right? Like again, mm-hmm. it, and when he does, I have no doubt that you and Brian are going to be there to support him and answer questions. And if you don't, and again, I remember you and I distinctly yeah. talking like, here I am, you know, Declan's black, I, you know, haircuts, like, li- like, I mean, little things like that. Right. And again, it's stuff that's outside of your scope. Yeah. But you're going to find the answers because he's your son, right? Like he's, and yeah. that's what, like, you do those things. You support people for who they are and you love them for who they are. And that's whether it's family, like blood family, or that's family, me looking through the screen at you. And I've always considered you one of my brothers. Like, it's just so Amen. that's like, that goes back to like how I try to view the world. I know it's naive at times, but like, I want this, I want that to be the norm. I want to be able to lift people up and I want to support and ask questions and not feel ashamed for not knowing, but Hey, I'm trying to educate. And like, that's one of those things that came up with all of the, you know, the racial and social injustice and everything. And, you know, I'm a, you know, white male that grew up in, you know, on the East side of Cleveland in a middle class, Mm -hmm. like I come from privilege and I understand that I haven't, I've gone through different things, losing my mom and all, but like, I'm, I will never go through what Declan has to go through. I won't have to go through what you had to go through with having to come, you know, choosing to come out, not having to come out, but choosing to come out. Like, so I understand that the lens at which I look at through things comes from a place of privilege, but it also doesn't mean that I'm naive to the fact that like, I need to continue to keep learning. And I think we all do as people, as humans, as society and all of that. Yeah. I mean that you hit the nail on the head. I think that's what, um, when I did my TED talk and kind of talked to some about that was, um, again, my boyfriend, give him kudos because he says a lot of cool things, but you know, he's just like, you have to explain to people what it's like. Like they didn't have to come out. They don't know how hard it was. You have to explain to people, you know, like, and you know, I, as much as I say, like, everyone's been supportive and that, I mean, there have been hard conversations. There's been, you know, a, frustration with the whole agree to disagree well i'm sorry but my right to get married we can't agree to disagree on that you know the fact that i have to talk to my son about you know things that we didn't get talked to like i don't agree to disagree like you know and struggles with being you know like you say acknowledging privilege like there are things like i've talked to keith i've talked to other black friends that like i never thought of it. I didn't even blink an eye when I got pulled over or if I got this mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and that's what I've said too through all this. Cause I have family friends that are police officers. I've never once downplayed that side of it. Um, or, you know, been on that side, it's more of opening people's eyes to what's really happening and acknowledging some of that, mm-hmm. like, you know, and again, it's like, okay, you want to agree to disagree on this, but I'm sorry that, Florida bill that they're talking about now, they're not going to let kids talk about their gay parents in school. Like, have you ever even had that as a thought? Like you can't say anything that, you know? And so I think that's part of when the Ted talk came about, you know, it was like, this is a chance for me to get up there and kind of say some of the things that um, I've had to see and witness as a white male raising a black son, you know, there's, been jobs open and things we've looked at and we've been like, I don't think as a gay man with a black son, we could live there, you know, like, and again, that's 
that's, and I always feel like that's not, I'm not saying that to like be like, oh, Steve, you should feel like right. way or that. No, I don't want you to, but acknowledge that. Like you've never yeah. had to think that, oh my gosh, I can't move there because I'm married to her and we have this kid. But two gay men with a black child have to think about that, you know, 100%. And again, getting people to understand that's the part of privilege. I think sometimes when people think of the privilege, they think of it in a different way um, or kind of that side of it. And I said, that's that's kind of the hard part. You really need to have those hard conversations and you really have to, you know, so there there were some crazy times during all that with friends, family, everyone, you yeah. know, and it was just like, you know, here here is what it is. And until you, and, and I know you're a big Brene Brown um, and I said it in my thing, like you have to truly believe people that have lived through that. You can't say, Oh, well, I feel this way. You didn't live through right. that. You didn't, you never had to come out. You didn't have to get up in front of your family and say, I'm straight. Like you didn't have to, right? Like, you know, you know, and so, to know the struggles of someone coming out, to know the struggles of someone who's of color or whatever their difference may be, you don't know that. And so that is part of the privilege, you know? Mm -hmm. And so as I tell Declan, we're, we're freaking going to change this world we're going to do it together. Um, and I will, I will not stop until I know my boy is going to be able to go to school and, 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 flourish like i know he will but it's just like those things that that people always say like you know agree agree to disagree or the you know not acknowledging some of that it's just that's that's probably been the hardest mm -hmm. um to kind of work through and figure out um but like i said and, and you said it earlier like i'm gonna be me and this is you know this is who i am as a gay male raising a black son and this is the life we live and so get on board or we're moving past you I, I love it, man. And <clears throat> I mean, I think that's a, that's probably a good point to work on like our, our exit here, but like, I, I want to acknowledge, right. Like I, as I said, and you said, like, I'll never know those things, but mm -hmm. it's key to open my eyes. It's key to open our eyes to your point, other people's perspective or how they're looking at it and what they have to go through. Right. And that, that ties to that's empathy. That's all of those things. And I go back to, and we talked about it before, but the, like the one thing that I told you when you got that job was, man, don't ever change, right? You got hired because of who you are and, you know, where you were at in that journey was where you were meant to be, where you're at in your journey right now is where you're meant to be, but don't change who you are because that's what makes you uniquely you. That's what makes you unique to raise Declan and to help take over the world and elevate your son and come out and do all of those things. And without you being you, you're robbing the world of that. And that's the, like, you don't need to change for anybody. You need to be you. And that's, that's what I love. And through our friendship, like that's all you've ever been. And so I like, I guess this kind of rolls into like my moment of gratitude, right? Because you inspire me. Like you literally do how you live your life by what you do, the example you set for Declan, you coming out and being Sean, that inspires me to be more of myself and to be able to tell more people's stories and to impact more lives along the way. 
the world is a much better place with you in it, man. And I am truly grateful that you're here. I appreciate you. That's very nice of you. <laughs> it's and I'm like I mean it. And we've known each other a long time. Like I mean it from the bottom of my heart. And I've always, yeah. even for when that picture that we took at the Sunbelt banquet, where I was wearing blue Lululemon pants, like yeah, yeah. Uh, I was, I rocked the hell out of it. <laughs> and, and to you again, I I love seeing this because this is what you're so good at, and seeing you do things that you're really really good at. Um, but also, um, I say it, I literally talk about you more than you probably ever know, but. That has been the one in anyone I know that becomes a head coach. And I always give you kudos um, is like that has stuck with me the most because you don't, I don't know if I would have ever thought that. I don't know if I would have changed or been any crazier or different or what, but I don't know if I ever would have thought of it that way. Um, and so when you put that perspective on it, I was like, that makes a lot of sense, you know, to, you don't need to go off the crazy deep end or, you know, change who you are because your title changed, you yeah. know? And so, uh, that was probably, if not the biggest, uh, best piece of advice I got. So thank you. That means the world to me. And again, it's it's just inspiring people to live their name, not their title, not their anything, right? Just be be you. And, I, and the full thing was like, don't change because you got hired for who you were, not who you're going to be, right? Like, so that, like, that's the big thing. So like, I'm glad it's made an impact. I'm glad it lasts. And uh, like, I mean, it's... And we get one life. We got to live it to the best of our abilities, and we got to do it on our own time frame. So, um, where? So we talked about a lot about a, a lot about a lot of stuff, um, and I'll link a lot in the description in the show notes. I'll link your TED, like your TED talk. Is that you have that on YouTube and all that stuff? Yeah, I have. Okay, it on so yep. we'll link all that. Where's the best place if anybody yeah. listening wants to connect with you or has questions or just like you know, what's the best way to connect with you? Uh, I mean, and I can do social media, you know, in the college yeah. coaching world, we have to be on social media. Yeah. I can do social media. I can do my email. Or okay. and we'll- that's what I was going to say is like, I, if anyone, if I can mentor or help anyone or kind of, I've had some really good mentors in the process of, you know, being an openly gay coach and raising a black child, you know? And so I just, I want to give back as much as I can as well. And, you know, I think, like you say, the Ted talk, that was my big thing of being like, love your story. No one else, no one else gets it. You don't get to, whether you get your dream job at 42, whether you get your, you know, you come out to your family at 37, like it's all about your story. So live it and and love it. So I think that's what you're doing right now. And I'm very proud of you. Um, But it's, it's going to be an awesome year for you. I feel it. I got a feeling too. And again, it's the more people I get that I get to connect with like you and share that story, like that continues to fill me up and provide more of my purpose. So I'm, I'm grateful for yes. this. Um, I'll, I'll give you my email and all my, you have my email yeah, and all we'll, my social. We'll link it all in the, in the descriptions for the socials and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I already offered my gratitude to you. I'm truly grateful. And the last thing, you know, you said you kind of, caught up on some episodes but the last question that i ask in every interview if you listen if you make it to the end you'll know this but this is what we'll end with is who is sean hewitt sean hewitt is you go all so deep i knew this was coming too um for me, uh, Sean Hewitt is a people person. Uh, I am a father, a boyfriend, a family man, um, and a coach. I love what I do, um, and I am a gay male living my dream um, and 
like I said, it's this has been my story and I, I couldn't be more proud of who I am and how I got to where I am. I couldn't have said it better myself. I will add one more thing is you're also an inspiration. Oh, don't I appreciate don't that. ever forget that, my friend. Well, we'll tie a bow on it. We'll finish this up and uh, I'll link everything in the show notes. And man, I appreciate the time today, man. I'm pumped. I'm so excited for you. I'm so glad. I'm honored that you asked me to do this. So I appreciate you. I mean, when I decided to start this, there is no doubt in my mind that you would be be a guest at one point in time. (laughs) Obviously, Jeff Hamm thought so as well. So shout out to Jeff. I want my black hat back too, Jeff Uh, Hamm. There we go. We should put that in the description. Jeff Hamm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, brother. I will talk to you soon, man. All right. Thank you, sir. Bye. I can't thank Sean enough for his vulnerability his willingness to share, and most importantly, his real conversation. I hope that each and every one of you took at least one thing away from this episode. For me, some of the quick takeaways include everyone's journey is unique to them, and that we need more people like Sean in this world. He truly inspires me to live my life and my truth through my voice and actions. And I just wanted to share, Sean's a good personal friend, and I'm truly grateful for his friendship throughout these years. What were your takeaways? What were you left with? Let me know over on my Instagram at Steve Venzel, S-T-E-V-E-V-E-N-C-L on the post for this episode. Additionally, please share this with someone who may benefit from hearing these words. That's what it's about, sharing people's stories and understanding how to keep moving forward. Thanks for listening. Please like, subscribe, and comment. And until next time, keep moving forward even if it is just one small step at a time.